Well, welcome to the Next Steps podcast where we dive into what we talked about on Sunday and wrestle with what it means for Monday. Before we go too much further, we want to acknowledge and pay our respects to the first Tasmanian peoples as traditional owners and custodians of the land we walk on and currently are sitting down on and preparing to talk about podcast stuff on. Uh, we also pay respects to elders past, present and emerging and for their care and of country, land and seas over the past thousands of generations. I'm Matt, uh, the pastor here at Citywide and uh, going in clockwise order next to me uh, is Emily, uh, who uh, had a, a, a major role in the service on Sunday, uh, both with worship and uh, dedication of grace, which we'll probably talk a bit about. Uh, below El Emily is Dan, who was speaking on Sunday about worship, and and beside Dan is Mitch, uh, who uh, this Sunday wasn't playing bass, uh, <laughs> but came in at the last minute to make sure Stu had headphones, because uh, when you're playing drums, apparently it's a helpful thing to do, to be able to hear what's going on. Uh, well, welcome everybody. It's nice, and uh, it is. This was Dan. This is your first crack, not your first time preaching, but uh, your first time uh, mm. doing a, a message here at Citywide. I guess start off. What, what was on your heart as you were preparing to to bring this uh, to, to close out this uh, sermon series we've been doing about follow and the, the, the W in follow is worship. What was on your heart to bring us? What were, you, what were you hoping that we'd be left with over the time? I think one of the, the biggest parts for me is this all through the series of how do we reorientate ourselves to, to Christ or to God? Mm. I often use those two interchangeably. I, I mean, God, the Trinity, you know, sort of thing. But mm. um, yeah, how do, how do we actually continually, uh, um, like multiple times through the day, hopefully lots of times, just reorientate to give God the number one position in our lives? Um, and worship is a big part of that. Is uh, so. What I wanted people to come away with is what What are you prizing or giving number one place of significance that you constantly want to talk about or think about or spend energy on? Um, and let's make that God. Let's put God number one, uh, which which is an, which I think is what worship is. Um, yeah, and I think I think going through the talk, I, I wanted to emphasise that worship is not just about singing songs. That's probably a third of it for us in our culture, in our current way of doing worship. Um, but I really wanted to capture, and maybe I didn't talk about it enough, it, the, the essence of um, my life being my spiritual act of, of worship, like it says in Romans 12.1. Um, I, I want to meet my neighbour and for that to be an act of worship, or I want to do my gardening and that to be an act of worship. I want, and yeah. So, so really hoping that people might be able to take worship with them into their normal everyday life. Um, mm. so, I, so I guess we should define what worship is for the, for the pod, podcast. Yeah, well, I think I, I was going to dive in and get um, Mitch and Emily to talk about how, what they were left with. But I think let's, let's probably do that before we, before we go too much further because if we're talking about worship, pretty good. To, so, and and I, I was left, even as you talked about, talking to your neighbour and stuff. I'm, I'm hoping by the end of this podcast, we've answered how on earth is that possible for talking mm -hmm. to your neighbour to be an act of worship? Mm. Yes. Yeah, uh, most people would hear that and uh, think, 
that's uh, some pretty weird kind of thinking. Um, mm. I don't know, unless it's a you know living next door to someone really famous or something. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> uh, uh, um, yeah. I, so, I'm not going to start worshipping my neighbour. Let's get yeah, good. Good. <laughs> good. <laughs> good. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're pretty cool. <laughs> so, so, so let's start there, mate. What is worship? Yeah, if you want to take it out of the so so the broader sense of the term, it's something that you really prize. Um, and I was thinking about it this morning. I've got my notes in front of me, so I'll look down in the corner every now and then. But the the um, Oxford the Webster Dictionary that said um, worship is to honour with extravagant love and extreme. Um, where's that line gone? An extreme submission. And I think oh, because I, I I love my wife, for example. Um, but I wouldn't say that I worship her. And so what's the difference? Uh, and I also wouldn't say that I idolize her. She is pretty awesome. But um, but so I'm trying to think in my normal everyday language, what is worship? Uh, yeah. And and I think the, because the Webster puts the word extravagant love and extreme submission in front of it, that's kind of the, the difference. Extravagant love and extreme submission. Uh, so worship is about um, is is about um, where you could split it into two words of worship. So yeah. declaring something that is of worth, and this definition says extreme worth, and I, I would say that's an important distinction because I have a lot of things in my life that have worth, but I don't worship them. Um, and so I think what we're talking about here is an extreme worship, something that is really worth. Um, Prizing and and celebrating and 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 yeah. So so when we talk about God, um, worship would be that I want to put Him in number one in my life, and I want to communicate that with others, and I also want to declare that to God. So declare that to God and show it around as well, and that'll be both through my words and my actions. Yeah, and I think that's the helpful thing about that definition: this love and submission that. You, you, your actions uh, attached to what you worship. Like you, you, you order your life. You submit your life to whatever it is that you're worshiping. Mm. And you, if it happens to be a car, then you submit your time to organise your car mm. and focus mm. on that. Uh, or if it's uh, if it's God, you submit your life and you order your life around Him. Yeah, and that's where the reorientation comes in of. I want to reorientate and give God that number one position because I keep letting other things slip in. So it's time to bring Mitch and Emily into the discussion. Hey guys, for, for you, um, as you hear that definition and as you think about your experience of, of worship, uh, how does that, that definition, I don't know, make sense of your, your experience of worship or maybe even challenge your experience of what you would have called worship before entering this discussion. Uh, maybe Emily, if you, if you dive in first. Eh? I had a feeling I was going to get picked first. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what was I was just thinking about just now was like, yeah, you orient your life around what you worship and all the things we talked about that you fall into the trap of worship. There's nothing wrong with any of those things, but it's the... Um, 
it's the the balance of them all. Like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with having security or having a job or watching TV, mm. but if it becomes your number one thing that you center and structure your life about, obviously that's an unhealthy habit that you need to start thinking about. But I sort of thought reorient, reorienting, oh, my goodness, re the word, your life around um, God, I thought, oh, what about people that might fall into the trap of, reorienting their life around church because there's a difference mm. between serving and like that's a good thing to do but I think reorienting your life around God is different to just constantly being at church volunteering for everything being on a bunch of teams I think it's having an open heart to let God speak to you and I think if you're catching up with someone for coffee and you're going mm. to different things throughout the week and God's using you in different ways I think that shows that God might be at the center as opposed to church being at the center just a thought hmm yeah interesting i don't know mitch how to, as, as we start this discussion about worship how, how does it land with you well i think the challenging thing for me is the idea of really putting god at the center of everything i do bringing him into these uh different uh you know conversations and you know communication with uh, various people and activities and all that kind of stuff and really running through my mind how I'm actually trying to worship God in these different circumstances. Is it a, I, I doubt it's a try and bring him up in every single, you know, circumstance kind of thing. Um, but yeah, trying for myself to really try and put him in my life and make him the center of my life and trying to work out how to really do that in a mm. practical sense and how my actions reflect that. Yeah. And it's really helpful because I think we, by the end of this, we said, by the end of our discussion, we need to talk about, how you can bring worship into every part of your life and not be talking about worship all the time. How do, how do you, like, how does it, because often for us, we don't know how to do something without talking about it or thinking about it. But Jesus seemed to be able to have parties with people and hang out with all kinds of people and people who, you know, weren't his followers, people who were, and he was living a life based on worship. So we need to get to that. But I, I guess then before we get to, talking about right worship, healthy worship, we need to talk about unhealthy worship. And Emily started to bring it up there with mm. uh, people who might wrongly order their life around church. Yeah, I guess there are a few of those around, although that would be increasingly rare, not something not something to aspire to, but I think something to, to be aware of. But uh, well, It's one of the challenges is we used to build churches that would inspire awe like cathedrals and, and, and beautiful stained glass window churches and things. So as you step into them, you get this sense of the grandeur of God, which is a fantastic thing. But then the, the, these, are, these things are also intertwined. But then it would be quite f feasible, I think, that you actually start worshipping the building and, mm. and, and start you know, loving, loving the place you've created, which then becomes an idol rather than following God as well. And we, we it's the same with our music. It's, um, it, I, I, I liked the quote from Calvin um, that, that I shared. He said, the human heart is a factory of idols and we're constantly making up things in this world to long after and pursue and to worship rather than pursuing God. And it mm. just gets interesting when we use spiritual things that we start to worship rather, rather than worshiping God. And uh, we can include the Bible in that. I definitely had an experience a number of years ago where the people I was relating to were definitely worshipping the Bible, 
more than they were actually willing to listen to God and what he had to say to them in that context. And, and well, let's, let's unpack that a bit because you, you only had 30 seconds to talk about that in mm -hmm. the sermon. Yeah. What is it? How do you know someone who is worshipping the Bible rather than God? Yeah. <laughs> That's the, the way it panned out, they, they weren't open to listening to the Holy Spirit speak to them because they thought that everything they needed to know was found in the Bible. Um, so we're getting onto some interesting territory here because, I mean, the Bible is amazing. It's the Word of God and it teaches us. Mm everything we need to know but there was definitely a line that was that they were crossing of uh, my interpretation of the bible currently is correct is correct and that's what i'll hold fast to is probably where they were coming from hmm. and i'm not willing to think of any other way and so they so they would place the bible in such high esteem that they weren't open to dialogue but, so, but and it, but it was their interpretation their their doctrine yeah. Yeah, because I don't. I'm not questioning the authority of the Bible. That that for me is clear, but I do worry sometimes about how I interpret it and what what I'm blind to. Mm. I, I might not be reading the Bible correctly, and I'm sure that you know, ten years from now, there'll be stuff that I'll have learnt that will change how I interpret the Bible, and where I realise that maybe I was a bit narrow-minded or a bit too black and white. Yeah, and the Bible won't have been the thing that changed, but my perception will. Mm. Yeah, I, I know, uh, Mitch and Emily. I mean, the way the church is going, that uh, that uh, fewer and fewer people coming to church, generally speaking, across the board. Uh, so some of these things we're talking about, probably not as obvious. But I don't know. Would you guys say you bumped into people, or you, you've had moments where you've seen in yourself even the the danger of focusing too much on doctrine and Bible as opposed to being open to the author of the thing? Um, look, personally for me, I don't think um, just generally the people I hang out with, they're a bit younger and my age and stuff. So I don't think we've necessarily had the you know spiritual experience for that kind of um, thing to occur, at least in my circles. Um, but, yeah, I don't know about you, Emily, if you've had uh, similar things that have happened. We were talking about it a little bit um, in our life group on Wednesday. We were reflecting on the sermon towards the end because we're watching The Chosen at the moment, but afterwards we chat a little bit about the Sunday sermon and it was on tithing and we were just chatting about how you can really get caught up in there's a bunch of different books in the Bible with a bunch of different comments about it and some of them, like I don't want to say are contradictory, but they all head in a different way and mm -hmm. someone mentioned that they've read books on like four different perceptions of these different verses and all I really got out of that is, yeah, you can really get lost and caught up in that side of it as opposed to just praying on it or discussing it with other people or, and I think that's where the Holy Spirit comes into it, not taking the words as words because some stuff is literal and some stuff not so much in, written mm. in the Bible in different ways and, yeah, I think if you're really getting, but I don't, like Mitch said, I don't think it's as a common theme. I think more things like money and security and education and things like that are our um, more obvious methods of work, things that we worship in the in the world. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. One, isn't it? I, I wonder, I don't know, Dan, whether this resonates, 
that I wonder this Bible olatry is what you termed it. Uh, whether whether you know you're sort of heading in that direction when you're when you feel like you've got to fight for the Bible rather than having the Bible confront you, like when when it, when when. So I, I certainly experience. There are times where I feel like I've got to fight for a piece of truth that I've come across, and this party wants to sort everybody out with it. Um, and I kind of know that's a bit unhealthy, but I also know. Because I think you can go the other the other extent, and I've had a discussion with people like this too. Where they say, "Ah, oh, well, the Old Testament is different than the New Testament. They all they all kind of disagree." It's interesting with the whole thing of tithing. Like I've got a book that says four different views on tithing. Mm. Uh, all generally based, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and generally speaking, uh, people will when when you come from the point of view of oh, well, this Bible was you know. Don't be too tight. You, you'll end up. The Bible will end up saying what you want it to say. Yeah. Uh, if you can go too far down that path, mm. so where the Bible's not sacred enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, where, where you're not letting it judge you. Like, I wonder if the healthy thing is not to have to fight for the Bible, mm. or not to say it's all you know wishy washy kind. Of, well, it's all confusing. So let's try and be good people. But somehow sitting under it or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we're straying a long way from worship. This, this is a really tough one, I think. Um, yeah, because because yeah. there'll there'll be times when it is right for me to fight for justice or truth or for God or for what the Bible teaches. Yeah, but it'll be hard to discern whether I'm that is true. doing it with the right perspective or my own agenda. But I, th I think I think it's a fairly good indicator if you feel like you need to protect the integrity of the Bible. I don't know. Sometimes that's right. Sometimes it's not. And it, again, really tricky to work the difference. I think this is why fellowship is one of the really important things. If I want to try and discern something before God, there are three places that I go. One is the Bible, the authoritative word of God, and really try and work it out through reading the Bible. The other is by listening to other people that I respect of faith around me. Um, and, and the, and, and the, the second one, I'll put that one third, the second one would be listening to the Holy Spirit and praying hmm. and asking God what he wants to teach me. Hmm. Um, and I wouldn't trust one of those three on its own. And I yeah. would want to be able to test all, all three. And I think that's one way of keeping fairly safe. Well, on that note, let's the other unhealthy worship you mentioned was worshipping worship. Mm. Talk a bit about that. This is an interesting one um, because I, well, there was one quote. I don't think I read it out that I was going to. Oh, bear with me for a second. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it quickly enough. Um, yeah, okay, here we go, somewhere around here. No, it's going to take me too long to find it. Um, but the there are some consumer Christian Christ, Christian consumerist worship, uh, I would call it. And, and here again, you're getting so close between some of it's amazing and all, like awesome, righteous, whatever. And the other side is like, oh, they've gone too far and they've made worship an idol instead of God. Um, but there, there's some some practices where they really focus on the science of worship and how to hmm. 
well, I can give you an example from my own life. Maybe that's the safest. Um, I, I play saxophone. I've been playing it since I was 14. I used to tour Tassie um, playing in worship bands. And when I was about, I think it was 17 or 18, I started to feel like I was being a, used as a tool to manipulate the audience. The, the saxophone is a very emotive instrument. Um, and, and I felt like I could actually, with my instrument, I could actually get the audience to feel a certain feeling or to, and, and it was verging on manipulation from, from my perspective of what I was being asked to do and then how I was doing it. And so I actually took a break from worship leading for a year uh, because I felt like I was being used um, yeah. to, to work the crowd. Um, and, and in that year off realizing that music is a beautiful, precious thing that actually speaks the language of my heart. It's one of the best ways of me communicating my worship to God because it, if my intellect and my heart can align, often that can happen in music um, with, with lyrics and, and with, with the musical language of my heart. That's not the case for everyone. A, lot of, so a bunch of us don't even like music, but for me that's a particular thing. Mm. Um, and so in my year off, realising how precious it was and that I needed my worship to be heartfelt, not just emotional. Um, and I, I think that was a significant difference. And I've, I've worked since then of really fighting for keeping it, keeping God centered. It's not about me and what I can do. And it's not about the audience and how much they love it, but it's just about myself worshiping God with my instrument, whatever that is at the time, and then creating a place where the audience can do that as well. Um, hmm. So instead of the audience attaching to the front of the stage for, to the performers, um, my job was in the worship team was to actually to help them create their lines of worship to God. Yeah. Mm. Well, I feel a little bit of a disadvantage here because the three of you are all musos and I'm just, I, I can't quite relate. I, I'd love to be able to relate, but I can't. You're uh, but, a lover uh, of music. We'll give you I, that. I do. I, 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 <laughs> you know, I, I, I was a radio announcer for a while and I could play a CD better than anybody. Uh, but um, I don't know, Mitch and... Emily, how do you how do you bounce off this stuff? As we talk about somehow, sometimes the the loving the musical side of worship can go a bit far or, or almost be a bit manipulative. But it's Dan saying, and it's interesting. I'm keen to come back to this and see if we can unpack this a bit more because I think this goes to a bit of the heart of what you're trying to say. But we need to understand it more. You're saying there's a difference between the emotion and the heart. So that's that's interesting. I don't know, but. Uh, Mitch and Emily, how do you, because you're both musos, how do you bounce off some of the stuff he's talking about here? Well, in a musical sense, Dan, are you sort of saying that the way we play as musicians should be a reflection of our heart in that moment and not just us trying to make the best music we can for the people in the audience? Is that right? I think so. I think so. If if my goal is to do the best music for the audience, it, it. I think as soon as I start a sentence, I'm like, "Gee, this is tricky to differentiate between the two. because because my musical gift is something that I want to offer to God. It's how He made me, and I want to offer that back to God. So of course, I want to do the best job I can do. Yeah, but but I don't want to um, seek the gratitude of the audience or the the praise of the audience that's the language we use isn't it mm. um it's not about my ego and what 
and that it is purely about creating a platform for people to worship God. Hmm. Does that answer your question? Can you respond to that one, Mitch? Yeah, well, as you were talking, then I'm thinking about all the different... Sorry, that's me. Hang on, I'll mute. <laughs> well, actually, it's me too. For those listening, we, you'll hear a foghorn going on in the distance. At, uh, here, we're here at Citywide and we've got air in the pipes. So whenever Des- anyone... Desperate need of a plumber, if you know <laughs> anyone. <laughs> anyone we, uh, it's, uh, every now and then a foghorn goes off. And uh, that's what that is. Beautiful. It isn't somebody's eating too many baked beans. That'd be a different sound, <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll leave that alone. Mm. Actually, I'm a bit tired, so I've got to watch. You know, oh, there it goes again. Uh, <laughs> but uh, sorry, Mitch, Ginger, you, you you are halfway through a thought or a question before the mm. foghorn interrupted you. Well, yeah, I just when you yeah as i think you were just saying dan when you actually start thinking about it i find it really hard to differentiate too because oh yeah i I think i need to just hear emily talk as well just to get her perspective on things because i'm just this is so yeah this is an interesting subject Hmm. well my immediate thoughts were as a worship leader this i'm not saying there's any right or wrong way to worship lead this is just the way i approach it but I feel as a person with a musical background that I don't need to put bells and whistles on the worship, if that makes sense. Like um, I know I'm worship leading a few weeks in advance and I'll pray every now and again through the week. I'll pop the songs in, pray about that, uh, and then I'll just sort of ask God that if anything is to speak on my on my heart ahead of time, like he wants me to prepare a verse or something, sure, um, but I like to leave it really open. I don't need to like pre-write um, out prayers or pre-prepare um, bits of scripture and things like that. I sort of, and I feel like the music a lot of the time, it can speak to people for itself. Like if we're playing it and we've rehearsed it and and we've picked these songs which have beautiful words and beautiful melodies that if the Lord's going to speak through us and use that that song particularly as a, worship avenue for somebody to communicate with the Lord that that will happen. Mm. I don't know if I'm mm. saying the right thing. Mm. Is it is it to do with where people's focus ends up, where particularly the, the people you're in the audience? Like this is one of the challenges for us because we're, we're we're also streaming the thing live. We've got to get the pictures over to Lena Valley and to people on YouTube. So we need to have lighting and we need to have cameras and things um but the danger could be that all that would be sending a message that we're to be focusing on the worship band rather than focusing on god that somehow that the worship band when they're in the worship team when they're doing their job and even the fact we call them a worship team that's a whole other discussion um Mm. but uh when they're leading us in singing well we should not be thinking, gee, they're leading us and singing well. I'm so pleased that they're here. Mm. Yeah, we should instead be connected with God and and worshipping him together corporately. And that's one thing I was trying to emphasise yesterday. There is something really precious about corporate worship. Yeah, doing it together. Yeah, that's kind of like what I was trying to say. Like we're not up on the stage. They don't look at us and go, ooh, they we're just in the background, if that kind of makes sense. Like the, the Lord would be metaphorically standing in front of us 
and that's yeah. what they'd be connected with. That's what they'd be feeling in here. Um, they wouldn't even necessarily be focusing on the people that are up there playing and singing and leading and stuff. Mm. I don't know how you then differentiate, though, how that is, how you do that differently to putting on a good performance. Yeah, that's right. That's what I was trying to say yesterday as well. It, it's almost the same thing. And to the observer taking notes, they could write exactly the same notes for each of those two different kinds of services. They would look almost identical. But, but as a worshipper. I, I go back to Cain and Abel and the, the first original offering that they made and um, Abel's heart was right in it and he did it right and Cain didn't and God didn't actually like the offering that Cain brought. And I, I suspect that's because of the heart behind it, not just that it was fruit and one was meat. True, but it doesn't actually say. It doesn't so say. That, 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 that's interesting, that one, because a lot of people try to work that out. You know, why did God prefer one over the other? And, it, mm. you know, was God a vegetarian or into meat or, you know, <laughs> but, it, but it, I think it kind of goes to what you're saying is for the onlooker looking on, it may not be obvious. Mm. 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 Yeah, especially because it's so tricky. It's so difficult to work out. So, I mean, for, for centuries and centuries, we've been using smell and sound and sight to help us worship God. So, you know, incense from right back in biblical times. And we're still using smells in, in quite a few of our churches these days because somehow that has a sensory something. Mind you, here at Citywide, i got to say, the smells got better. We did have a, 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 a we did do a lot of fitness stuff in our auditorium, uh, which produced yeah. a different kind of smell. It didn't necessarily lead you towards worship. Yeah, and in Lena that's Valley, a whole other thing. Some grains as well, so that's great. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's, not, it's not quite what I meant, but sorry, it took us in a different direction. Like I said, I'm a bit there's, tired. Take us in the other direction. There's loads in the Bible, like in in Matthew, he says, "They honor me with their lips, but hmm. their heart is far from me." Yeah. Um, and in uh, Jeremiah, what does he say there? Well, um, he says something else. <laughs> I'm uh, not, not doing so my, well. my people have committed two sins. So is that yeah. the one? Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. they, they've forsaken me, the well of living water, and they've dug, uh, you know, tried to find, dug their own cisterns that, that can't hold water. And, dug their and, own. Yeah, and with with that Amos one was the one in particular I was thinking of, and and God says to him, "Away with the noise of your songs! I'm just not going to listen to the music of your harps." So they're going through the motion of worship, but their heart's not in it. Hmm. It's interesting that, and, and there is this other thing. See, I, I I can't lead singing, but I do do a bit of talking at church, and and I, and I have noticed. Um, sometimes I will have my heart completely engaged and I'll be there present and nothing much will happen. Other mm. times I'll be um, feeling like a mil I'll be tired or grumpy or my heart won't be in it and God still uses it. Yeah. Like there's this, it's, it's actually not, there's, this, there's another thing that happens there's this, where God brings his bit, which isn't even to do with where I'm at. Mm. Which is mm, which yeah. is this other overlay as well. I mean, it certainly. I think it does help if I'm open, and 
And there are when, the times where I don't remember to say, God, help, before I get up and talk, mm. they certainly are different than when I do. Yeah. I was um, about to say, do you think the reason that is is because when you are grumpy or tired or whatever kind of emotion you are more reliant on God and you need him to use you more. Not that we're not reliant on God all the time, but I found that sometimes where you're kind of on your way to church and you're like, oh, I've just had such a week. But mm. you're like, Lord, I still need to somehow still do what I'm serving to do this morning. And he just takes a hold. I don't know. And God can use us in spite of us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's the thing. Like, because sometimes I feel like I've done, I've been in touch, I've been brilliant, I've, mm. you know, I've sort of changed people's lives, and nothing happened. Mm. And and then sometimes there'll be a little throwaway line that I'd never planned to say, and it goes off like a depth charge for people. Some people, you know. Mm. So so God can use us, you know, if we're mm. useless. You can use a donkey. So mm. at one level, there's a level of humility that is helped by that realization that it's right for us to bring our gifts and to do our best and to have our mm. hearts right but then ultimately the holy spirit can do his thing and that sometimes has got little to do with what we're up to mm. maybe mm. and as you say on the mm. weeks where you um you feel like nothing happened mm. i wonder if that's like what seeds were planted that you didn't know about or people who were online that don't necessarily comment or feedback yeah. uh, what was happening that maybe we don't always need to see the impacts yeah. or they're not happening right there, right now. They might be activated five years from now kind of thing. Yeah. I like the phrase of bringing our best and, and I think that's really right as well. I, I don't just bring a half-baked something to God um, yeah. and, and looking at the original design of the tabernacle god had i can't remember his name but he, he had this guy who was really good at metalwork and and woodwork yeah. and he and he built the most beautiful god knew you know i want the best and so i'll get this guy to make all the ornaments and all the tabernacle furniture for me and he would have done an incredible job and and it, it like um I went to the Sagrada Familia, which is a cathedral, cathedral in Barcelona, and it, it's just phenomenal how beautiful that work is, and it really feels like someone gave their life to worship God um, through the architecture of the building. Um, so for, for just for example, he, he said, look, ultimately the best designer ever is God, so I want to replicate mm. the way he designed things. So even the pillars in the middle of the church look like, organic trees rather than just stone pillars and he said i want to reflect my creator so i want to follow mm. his design so he's the way he worshiped god by building a building was beautiful and precious and so yeah so here again what's the difference between a beautiful precious building that has been made out of worship compared to one that's not had god right at the heart of it mm. and so i think we keep coming back to this thing of what are we aligned to? What are we oriented to? And our worship yeah. would be if if we're putting God first, we can't go wrong. Um, it, it, well, if we're trying to put God first, because it's always a bit tricky. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this this thing that leads us towards this discussion of living water. But really, you said something that I don't often hear someone say, and that is worship is not a fair deal. Um, yeah. I'm, 
this is new to me and I can't work out a good way to communicate it. So maybe you've got better ways in the, if you could write in the comments how we could better communicate it. So it's we, we're not, we're used to normal trading. Like I'll make you a muffin. You'll thank me for the muffin, you know, and that's, that's, that's kind of how it goes. Um, but with worship, God is awesome. And we, we thank him and acknowledge his awesomeness. Um, and that so would that, be, that's that a would fair be deal. A, yeah, cause and effect. God, yeah. you're awesome. I'm going to tell you you're awesome. And, and so that, that would be fairly natural. And if, if I have an object that is just of this world, like a new car that I love, that would be the trade. So I've got this car's awesome and I acknowledge that it's awesome. And that would be the trade. But the difference with God who's alive and, and in a personal relationship with me, the difference is the blessing that comes from worshipping him, him and putting God first. And so that's, uh, yeah, that's where I kept coming back to the phrase of the, the, this living water that Jesus promised that we will never thirst again if we, if we ask him of, of the living water. So I'd love to hear, is there a better way of communicating this? Cause it's fairly new to me and I, I'm still struggling to find the right phrases. Hmm. Are you All trying right. to say like, oh, sorry. Yeah, you, you, you go for it. I was, was going to ask you guys to chip in at this point because Dan, there's something on Dan's heart he's trying to get out. Yeah. Uh, Are you and, trying uh, to say, if I'm interpreting it right, that it's not a fair deal because we can't outgive God? We, like, we'll yeah. never be able to be on top kind of thing. So, like, you know, he even says somewhere in the Bible, like, try and outgive me or, or maybe we've talked about that in past sermons but you never god's always i don't know am i hearing yeah. you right yeah basically i think that's that's kind of it you can't outgive god the the blessing that comes so as i worship him and put him in the right place at number one for call time again as i as i worship him if there are any plumbers out there as i worship him and put him at number one um then through that transaction or through my open heart, he then reveals to me that his love for me and this, my significance as a child of God. Can you hear me talking still? Yeah. 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 What, what, what note would that be, that foghorn? Would it be like a, a C? Anyway, that's all I love it. <laughs> um, so I, I think I'm getting it. So normally, normal the normal standard transaction would be a two-step transaction, where something is wonderful, and as a as sort of an overflowing heart response to that wonderful thing, I talk about how wonderful it is. I I organise my life around how wonderful it is. I, um, but you're kind of saying that then there's this third step, where not that you're wanting it or looking for it necessarily, although you probably do want it and I wouldn't mind it, but but there is a blessing that comes um, from the response, from a heart response to who God is, you also get this other level of blessing or knowledge of who you are or something. And, and I, think, I think the Old Testament talks about this quite often. It's almost like we, my worship to God is almost just an opening of the door of his blessing. So his blessing can, can come in. Um, it feels like 
as I put God number one, then I then I live more fully in His presence and in in the knowledge of His love. Hmm. I know. But how, how's this resonating with you? How do you, how how are you hearing it? Is it? You might wonder if you can put it in another way. Oh. I don't know. This is tough. <laughs> I honestly thought that the way Emily said it was actually really clarifying for me and it was quite easy to understand. So, yeah, thanks for that, Emily. That was, that was <laughs> yeah. that, that you can't outgive God, that, that, that somehow you can't find the... Even in trying to find the words to talk about how amazing he is, you end up getting another benefit anyway. Mm. And the, there are benefit. There is a direct benefit to worship. Yeah, and it's not like we seek that benefit, but but that's the byproduct of our worship, almost or God's gift. I'll say that's God's gift of our to our worship. Well, it's kind of the counter of the of worshiping the wrong thing because you, there is a you, you get a result of that too. Mm. Uh, that's unhealthy and unhelpful and death producing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you worship the right thing. It's life giving. Mm. Yeah. It's the living it, water. Yeah. 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 We haven't, we probably, this foghorn keeps going off, which is apologies to those listening. It is uh, life at Citywide. Welcome to, <laughs> welcome to the Citywide office and, and, uh, and the, 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 you know, some of the little quirks of being here at Citywide. Um, you, we actually maybe should have mentioned this earlier, but, uh, we were talking about what people worship, and you you got to sort of answer a question that came up with a word cloud. Um, what what is? I'll, I'll just I'll just briefly just chuck that up. Um, what's stood out to you, Dan, or, or for for others? Because the, the question was, what are you at risk of immersing yourself in outside of God? What are the things you're in danger of worshiping outside of God? What stood out? Because I think we had about 30-odd responses. I'm not sure. Um, and, and, and for those not familiar, a word cloud puts a whole lot of words on a screen and the bigger ones are the ones that more people say. Uh, and uh, for those listening, you won't see this. It's only for those who are um, on YouTube. So we'll need to use our words to communicate what you're saying, what we're seeing. Yeah, and you'll, you'll see a few times it says like family or my kids or children. So if you combine them, then family would become quite a big thing. You'll, you'll see work and money. I think those two are fairly related. So, yeah. Any, any response, yeah. Mitch, Mitch and Emily? The one that, yeah, as you just said, the one that stuck out for me was definitely family. Like for those that um, can't see this, family is, yeah, definitely one of the bigger ones there. And obviously, as you were saying, Dan, money and work and TV and technology, those kind of make sense. Like, but family is a really interesting one for me because in many aspects, putting time and uh, energy into your family is, of course, a very positive thing. Um, but yeah, I was wondering if you guys could perhaps talk about how that could be you know, at risk of immersing yourself in, I guess. Yeah. Certainly from, from my, we were just talking about this with the pastor's lunch. I'll pull this off for, just for a second. I, I think, uh, we have wrong priorities and, uh, and so, and, and it's driven by a lot of things. Sometimes it's driven by fear at the moment. But kids take 
their parents so much time going from soccer to ballet to you know you can there are programs for everything and they're actually they can demonstrate now there's, there's all the research is there that that stuff can be quite unhealthy because we don't we, we actually kids need to play with other kids they need to play not you know in rules set by adults but in rules they they organize themselves and they need they need to be able to fall down and get back up and and work stuff out and and so in modern society many of us have organized our lives around our kids and our family and and i i actually i it's where it's disordered where, where family takes the wrong level of um priority family should be a priority in fact jesus said the person who doesn't look after his parents is worse than an infidel um so that's it's kind of pretty strong language you, you meant to look after your family but when family is God, because he also says uh, about his, uh, someone says, your mum's here, and he says, well, who is my, my mother and my brothers? They're the people that do God's will. Uh, he says two things that almost sound contradictory, but he's basically saying my priority isn't my family, it's God. Um, so, so I think, I don't know, that's my off the top of the head kind of response. I don't know how, how others want to bounce off that. The, the, the danger of family being in a wrong place or the, the number of people said that family was something they could wrong, wrongly worship. I think a danger that I can see is that it becoming your centre, so God, where God should be is where family, that it's you trying to take control of your family and we know we can't control other people. And another hmm. thought that I had was that we're all human beings and your family are human beings. They're going to screw up and that's not a reflection on you or even a reflection on God. Um, mm. I mean, thinking about how we dedicated Grace yesterday, um, we know we can't do a family without God helping us. Mm. And I thought to myself, it's kind of scary. Like Grace is mm. going to grow up. She's going to make her own mistakes. She's going to do, she might even resent parts of my parenting. I'm sure she will. Um, things that I try to be the best parent that I can be with God's help, but there are things that I won't get it right all the time and that she might yeah. throw back at me when she's 35 that she wished I'd done differently, and I'm sure that it hits home. I mean, I'm talking to two dads. I'm sure you've reflected on this, and you've got teenagers now, and you might be starting to see the backflip. And that... Um, it yeah, was I great when uh, Grace... I've got to say, when Grace's age, I was going to be the perfect dad because they couldn't talk yet. They couldn't tell me what I was doing wrong. <laughs> And I, I could, I could sustain the picture that finally, uh, you know, someone who knew how to be a dad was here and was going to model her anyway. And I keep yeah, absolutely. Everything on that map, if it's not God, it's going to break you. And I think family, that pressure of them not turning out the way that you pictured, or you having this idea in your head that doesn't work out, or if it's money you're chasing that you're never fulfilled enough that it's going to start eating at you because you're mm. trying so hard to control everything around you. I don't know if that's yeah. the right way of what I'm trying to say, but I think, yeah, none of those things are bad, but if they all take centre, it might yeah. not happen immediately, but eventually it will start to have that negative because one of the most important things I can do in my parenting is live in a life, live, live in a way that my kids can see that God is the center, that, mm. that there is this, um, that, that, I, that the way I prioritize my life, my time, that actually God is number one um, 
in in the way I serve, and I think that would become unhealthy. So I could actually, you know, cocoon my family and say, right, from now on, I'm giving you everything. Mm. Everything we do is for family, and I think it would end up suffocating and destroying the family because it didn't have an external focus. It, it didn't have a God who will never let us down at mm. the center of it. And, and I think you could do a lot of damage just by focusing introspectively on your family. Um, I, I'm very conscious coming into a new role and a new career. My kids need me to not just be there for them, but to actually serve God first and then create the family in, mm. the, right, in the right order. Yeah, it's, it's helpful. You you actually, Dan, threw a, a second question in that a few of us tried to get to but found challenging, but mm. 10 people actually managed to work out the technology and, <laughs> yeah. and, and, yeah. and, and you produced this diagram as a result of that question, which now is covering all our, half of all our faces. So it's a bit weird on... For those listening, you've got no idea what we're talking about. For those on YouTube, you can kind of see that we're... <laughs> so, yeah, we can stretch that. I was going the wrong way then. Yeah, but yeah. We, you, you can, it's great. Guys. I feel like the Brady Bunch. That's right. Um, so, the, so this one I asked, what what is one of the tools that you find helpful when you're worshiping God? And one thing I wanted to really emphasize is that everyone has their own way of worshiping God that's unique to them. And there are some people who music's just a distraction and an annoyance. There are others who that's everything. Um, and and so I ask these 10, 10 things like what do you appreciate most? And the highest one result was silence with God. That's how I worship God is just being with him in silence. Um, or meditating on God's word was high, engaging with the Psalms. Um, a lot of people do that or a d devotion. And I, I don't want to, I want to make the distinction here that it's not about me receiving thoughts from a devotion, but it's actually this is about what tools do I use to worship God? Um, mm. So that's the little difference there because I do encourage reading devotionals and stuff, mm -hmm. but often I wouldn't call that worship. Um, so there's corporate singing, which is singing together. There's personal singing on your own, which was both fairly even, which was interesting. Um, so you can see the numbers. So one was 66162. And then large worship concerts was a little bit lower, 5.4. Um, now, this is only 10 people, so it's not a sample of our church. Um, but I broke that down to three themes, and what you'll see there is that I, I thought some of them was around worship through meditation um, and, and worship through music and then worship through creativity. Hmm. Yeah. So, yep. The thing I just to give you guys a chance to see it and then comment on it. The thing that I found interesting is that creativity is a bit smaller, but I know worship through creativity is really powerful. So if mm. I'm if I'm painting a picture that takes me twenty hours, I'm reflecting on this theme of God and my worship to Him for twenty hours while I'm doing it, and that's really significant. That that's a picture that will stay with me for the rest of my life, um, and hopefully, if if I'm good enough in others as well mm. which will actually speak these this beauty and um this it'll give us a chance to worship and so i've seen people use paintings like there's a famous painting we showed not long ago of revelation 320 behold i stand at the door and knock and someone painted jesus standing at the door and knocking which is a world famous painting that we use to mm. worship god um so I, I was actually inspired i thought oh maybe i should spend a bit more time worshiping god with my creativity mm. um 
and it's not just that it's a small subset, but but I thought, oh, I really actually really value worshiping God using my creativity and my gifts. Yeah, that was my that was my reflection. So then, Mitch and Emily, as you look at the different ways that Dan listed there of worshiping God, does anything stand out for you guys? As in uh, what we do personally or just what yeah. we're perhaps surprised by? or Either, either or. Um, yeah, well, I think for me, music is a really huge one. I think as I mentioned when um, in my testimony when I got baptised that music was a huge catalyst for me, um, you know, in my worship to God and why I decided to get baptised in that. And the other one that I really love that I barely do at all, which is really frustrating, is you know, meditating on God's word through nature and stuff as well, which, um, you know, Dan Hutchison, he was very, very passionate about. So, yeah, I think that's yeah. something that I really love doing personally as well. Yeah. How about you, I kept, I kept thinking, ooh, the fact that silence with God was high is good because watching The Chosen, um, he's often going away and having that silent time himself and talking mm-hmm. about the importance of it. But for me personally too, I mean, music is a big one, but I did find it interesting when Dan challenged us on Sunday, how do you know whether or not you just like music or you're actually, that's a method of worship. Hmm. And for someone with like a lot of music in my background, I just think um, I can hear every word in a song. A lot of people struggle to hear the actual words in music because the music, like melody is distracting to them. But, yeah, there are definitely songs because of the words that I feel God has um, placed there for me um, during a season that they can be really helpful to get through times. And I often find worshipping alone in my car, listening to something, singing along, usually ends up with prayer happening afterwards or crying out to God in the car and a little bit of um, opens up an avenue for further communication and connection. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm obviously not a muso. Uh, I, I don't mind singing. It's not as big for me. Uh, I, I have been finding, like, I was grateful working on memorising the Bible and, and praying through Psalm 23 um, and just reflecting on the Lord being my shepherd. And almost every time I get to he restores my soul, I, 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 take, I take a breath. Like, it's like a... It's like it has a it it lowers me into something. Mm. So that 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 for me is part of my practice of what works for me. Mm. I I do like singing along with you guys. Uh, like I, I, there are times where it, it, like I just forget where I am and I can sing, but it's not. I actually don't choose to listen to worship music much during the week. Though. If I'm going to listen to anything, it'll be you too, probably. <laughs> so, that's just yeah. how it is. Mm. So now I'm conscious we're getting to the end of our time. We promised by the end of our time we would explain how, uh, you, I think you use the word pulling carrots or talking to your neighbours can be yep. worship. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. So in pulling carrots, it would be an appreciation for God and his nature and, and what he's, the amazingness of his, his creation and how he blesses us. And so that would be the pulling carrots bit. I think mm. that's all right. So, so something of being in the moment and, yeah. and, and accepting the gift of the carrots and the nature and, and everything else that can be, that can point you towards God. Certainly looking yeah. at Mount Wellington can do that for me. 
or yeah. going for a bushwalk or yeah absolutely God, looking with, at the stars you. god you're amazing yeah yeah so this this line here i found um so worship is a gratefulness and adoration to god for the saving acts that he's done for us okay so that's mm. what we spent most of our time today talking about it's a um, adoration to God for the saving acts he's done for us and when we would say and also what he's created. But then I'd like to throw in this bit. Um, it's also obedience and commitment that reflects the relationship we have with, we have with him. So it's hmm. also obedience and commitment that reflects the relationship we, ha we have with him. I, I've found Romans 12, 1 is one of my mantra verses for my life, my spiritual act of worship. Um that, that I will offer my body as a sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing um, yes. as much as I possibly can. And, and so where, whether I'm helping my neighbors um, or whether I'm teaching a kid or whether, whatever I'm doing, mm. I'm doing as a spiritual act of worship, um, offering my body as a living sacrifice because, because of my love for God. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that Romans 12 passage really does open up the nature of worship, doesn't it? It's, yeah, takes it, it just it away from just music. Yeah, absolutely. So sort of lightning round as we, as we wrap her up. Uh, maybe I'll start with Mitch, then M, then you, Dan, and I'll toss in. Or maybe I'll go me, then you, Dan. Um, I guess what are you left with from the, the discussion and exploration of, of worship? Mitch? Hmm. Well, I guess just having that strong emphasis between, I guess for me as a musician, I think that was just a really important chat for me in figuring out, you know, what the difference between actually worshipping is and um, just playing up to the audience. Hmm. Um, so I think that's something that I'm probably going to take away and uh, make sure that from now I'm really playing with my heart, uh, you know, worshipping God from now on. And also just I think just the differing ways that you can worship God that's just outside of just music, which is, you know, pretty heavily emphasised in, in church. Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard as a bass player, isn't it? Because your mind's pretty busy <laughs> with rhythm and rhythm and notes. Like yeah. when I'm playing the, with the guitar, I can sing no problem. That's easy. But as soon as you hand me a bass, my brain is full and that's all mm. I can tap out. So it is hard as a bass player or a drummer, I think. How do you worship apart from yeah. being in the stance of worship it is one of the tougher ways because you don't get to sing the lyrics you're just trying to make it through the songs and through the melody do it whatever mm. you've got no understanding of what you're talking about but <laughs> are, are you trying to tell me that it's harder to play a guitar with four strings than six yes <laughs> it's it's hard for my brain it's harder to manage rhythm yeah that's why you'll see very few drummers singing at the same time phil collins mm. is the only one i know of um, it takes two. You have to be able to split your brain in half to do it. So, yeah, don't know cool. why that is. Bass is I mean, the yeah, same. I, I, I had no idea. You'll, you'll almost never see a bass player singing. Mm. So, oh, so bass isn't like guitar for dummies. Sorry, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot more brain power. It can be on a simplistic <laughs> level. I think Sting pulls it off. He plays bass. He does. Bass. Yeah, Sting's a gun. Yeah. But you were anyway. talking about world leaders. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this is really important for this time. So, yeah, no, this was, this, was, this was meant to be the lightning round. We're back. Okay, back. Back, M. what are you left with? Um, I think the thing I'm left with is that um, 
whether or not God's at the centre or something else is overshadowing or overtaking God comes down to your heart. Yeah. Are you doing it out of obligation? Are you doing it for yourself? Or are you doing the thing that you're doing because you're doing it for God or he's called you to do that and he's equipping you because he's called you to do that? And the only way for you to know that is for you to examine your own heart. I don't think, as Matt was saying before, onlookers can have their own opinion. Ooh, that person seems very wrapped up in their study, like they're worshipping it. We won't know. They're the only people that will know if that is taking over number one or if God is number one. More broad question of how do you know if you're right or wrong? Like how do you know if your heart's in the right place? I think that has to be left to the individual and there are ways talking to someone that might be a bit older and a bit wiser or delving into the word and seeing if that tricks with how you're navigating your life but for me I think worship comes by allowing God to use me and as someone who doesn't have my current mission field of work I always would relate it to teaching and my students and how I can pray for them and see them the way that God sees children and treat them the way that I think God would want me to see them as precious individual people but I don't have that at the moment. So I'm mm. really relying on God each day when I catch up with someone for coffee, when I go to the supermarket, I say, Lord, use me today. Be let Help me to be the person that this person mm. I'm meeting for coffee needs or help mm. me to shine something to my neighbour, even if it's just by um, her dipping over to borrow a tablespoon of tomato paste because she didn't have any in the pantry and needed it. Um, and just being, I think, for me, open to always looking for opportunities and, and for God to create them. I think I read somewhere or I heard from somebody once that if we ask God to use us, he will use yeah. us. He gets really excited when we ask him to do that. And if we ask for opportunities to speak his word, he'll give us them. We've just got to make sure we're ready for that because things like if we ask for patience, we'll get that too. And it's not always the easiest thing to encounter. <laughs> but I think just being open, I think that's part of your heart too. So hmm. I'm left with be more open. And make mm. sure I start each day with a, Lord, keep my heart open today for whatever yeah. it is that I need to be, whether that's just to grace at home or if I go out and do something that day. Yeah. That's my takeaway. Yeah, I yeah, love it. Mm. I think for me it would be the, the what you said in the sermon actually, Dan, about how the first song of the day on a Sunday morning as, as a picture of how easily your mind can be all over the shop and, and the, the need to discipline yourself to get your heart focused on God. To, it, it's a choice to mm. grab hold of your heart and point it in the direction of God as opposed to other stuff. And and uh, I want to make sure I'm, I'm doing a bit more of that. I found that mm. helpful. Um, uh, how about you, mate? Sort of the final word as the, as the person who was leading us on this journey? Yeah, my, mine's very similar to yours, that, that worship often starts as a discipline of, for me, putting myself aside or whatever's going on around the side and choosing to focus on God. And this, the word of realign or reorientate has, has been really important for me. Mm. So, so there's both the discipline, but there's also the tools and structures you can set up that will help. Um, having a rhythm of the day or, you know, a habit as you get out of bed to worship God through that. So... So the discipline of worship is where it starts for me, and then and then just yeah, then then I, I've been really hit by this phrase of the living water, uh, mm. new new this last week, and so I want to reflect on that more. Yeah. Well, that's been our next steps podcast, a bit longer than normal. 
It's a big mm. topic and uh, mm. I want to invite you to join us next week where we'll be diving into a brand new sermon series that'll take us actually a number of months. We're going to open our the book of Matthew and look at the teaching of Jesus over a long period of time. We want to dive into what he's actually saying and what that means for us. That's what starts next week. But until then, we'll catch you later. Great.